right now there's a study out of Columbia University and the Disease Control Center up there. They pointed out that if he had listened to me and others and acted just one week earlier to deal with this virus, there'd be 36,000 fewer people dead. 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 And you guys are wondering, what are we, what's he doing? Come on, man. Get a life. Get a life. Trump was out there tweeting again this morning. I called him President Tweety. Well, you know, Thanks so the- much. That's really our time. I apologize. You can't do that to black media. You I can't do that to white media and black media because my wife has to go on at 6 o'clock. Okay. Oh, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. I a, will. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Did you see that clip of Stacey Abrams, like, learning in real time that she's not going to be the best Yes! That's yes. so funny. Oh, man, we got to talk about the Stacey Abrams thing. Yeah, um... <laughs> <laughs> and you must have seen the Trump campaign Twitter thing that was like, oh, no, Joe. Or like, Joe, don't. It's, you know, that picture of Stacey Abrams from the WAPO profile <laughs> where she's... Uh, I saw that picture. Is that picture from years ago? Or is no, that it's a new from thing? this week. That's so funny. Literally, the Washington Post did a profile of her because, you know, she and Bloomberg, who is her boss, yeah. are begging for her to be Biden's VP. And so WAPO helped out. You know, <laughs> like why would she be VP? What Bloomberg has she ever done Bezos. except like lost a government race? <laughs> uh, be a right wing, uh, yeah, lackey who will do whatever she's paid to do. You also know she writes like like romance novels. No, under the pan- pen name Selena Montgomery. No, Abrams is the award winning author of several romantic suspense novels. That's so funny. According to Abrams, she has sold more than a hundred thousand copies of her novels. She wrote her first novel during her third year at Yale Law School and published her most recent in 2009. Uh, she won the Reviewer's Choice Award, some other awards. Like, uh, But I also heard she got like a movie deal or like an HBO deal or something for one of her novels. I only read romance novels where uh, Bill Clinton is described <laughs> as entering Hillary Clinton. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my first question for any romance novel, how much detail do you describe Bill Clinton's penis in? <laughs> And then I decide from there. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so the WAPO did this uh, photo shoot with her for this new profile where she is literally on a stage. She is literally wearing a cape. Yeah. And she's backlit and there's a fog machine fog behind her. Yeah. Uh, yes. Even one step up from like the Beto, like in a truck photo shoot, or the you know Pete Buttigieg, uh, you know who knew Bland can sizzle. <laughs> <laughs> Where he's tying his yeah. tie. <laughs> yeah, uh, but so- it is it is very strange. And you sent me this article from 2012 recently where it was like you know Joe Biden, like the sexy vice president yes. or whatever. Yeah, and we of course remember Joe Biden being sexualized. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Biden being objectified, <laughs> made into a piece of meat in Parks and Rec. But um, very weird thing that Democrats do that it doesn't seem like Republicans do. Maybe they do it in their own way, but right. like, and of course it happened with Obama. Like, I need to want to like fuck my politicians. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, I only want to vote for this person. Like. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And I mean, it is obviously a part of like a retreat from politics and like. Everybody is just a lifestyle 
uh, guru and stuff. And that's all like Democrats really want in their politicians anyway. Which reminds me, are we talk? Are we going to talk about this? Did you see uh, Obama's house? Okay, so I have seen Obama's house, but before we move on from Stacey Abrams, I've got to show you this. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. And is that like a Trump, is that an official Trump thing? It is, yeah. That's so funny. So it's like a mocked up image of that Stacey Abrams photo shoot where she's looking like, uh, yeah, she's looking like a superhero. (laughs) The ultimate superhero, the modern woman. The woman (laughs) (laughs) who person of the year yeah you know who i think the real superhero is the woman listening to this podcast (laughs) but so it's that magazine cover with Stacey abrams and then like joe biden like groping her and like sniffing her hair yeah yeah and apparently that's an official trump uh uh meme gender meme army (laughs) the voters (laughs) (laughs) the beautiful voters yeah the trump war room which like Biden is not, like, you know, they're only going to talk about his bunker or whatever in his basement. Uh, yeah, Biden yeah. couldn't have a war room for his campaign. Yeah, this is going to be an ugly, ugly campaign. Exactly. And that's what David Forum says, yeah. <laughs> Zling Ray, uh, when he's tweeting about this, is uh, there's no precedent whatsoever for how gloves off the Trump digital campaign is and will be. Yeah. And it's true. Like, this is a, you know, disgusting image, obviously. It is all about, you know, all the women. Like, you know. Uh, all the women. I mean, it's like, it's fair it. game. Of like, course it yeah. is. Yeah, of course it yeah. is. It's Biden's fault. And like, fault. it's not and that Abrams different. Is... We've been laughing at all those images that like just people have been mocking up of like, yeah, you know, they take a photo of like Joe Biden groping someone and they like cut in like an anime girl right. or something. Like right. whatever, those are funny. Uh, yeah, it's I, fair. I mean, right, because the Democrats made their nominee a rapist. <laughs> yeah, right. No one made them do that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, it's fair game. Uh, so tell me about Obama's house. Obama's house. <laughs> <laughs> there was also a thing. That, so McMansion Hell did a thing. Yeah. <laughs> there's also um, there's also a story about how Obama is going to be the first former president billionaire. He's going to be a billionaire. How much? He's money going does to be he a have? billionaire. He has a ton. What? And let me see, because it like. This article was like a fun, like our favorite president, the former president's about to become a billionaire. Jesus and then it just Christ. like goes through like all the, like just the hundreds of millions that he's making on speaking fees to like Goldman Sachs Ugh. and stuff. Yeah, this is, this is what I saw. It's from Hot 97 <laughs> and it's filed under hip hop news. Holy <laughs> shit. Yes. Yes. Uh, Barack Obama. Obama will... go on breakfast club. <laughs> Wake that ass up in the morning. The Breakfast Club. Vice President Biden, how are you today? Good. Good to see you. Same here. You know, you know, I've been critical of you. Um, I, I have a few things I want to talk to you about. Today. I know you have. Yeah. You don't know me. No, I don't. That's why I want to get to know you today. I want to get to know you today. Um, I want to talk to you about mostly black stuff. Right now we're in a situation where it's like, you know, that Carney show goes through town once and you find out there's no pee under any one of those three shells that get pushed around. Mm-hmm. Next time it comes back, what do you do? Next time it comes back, you ain't playing. You got to figure it out. Okay. And let me tell you something. My community figured it out a while ago. Barack Obama will reportedly be the first billionaire former president. And it has an exclamation point in the headline. Oh, my God. This uh, money's real good. <laughs> this is so funny. The way this article is written versus like... <laughs> 
the reality the, the of disgusting like, corruption yeah, that like, it represents. Yeah, and thirty percent unemployment. Uh. Like the beloved former president Barack Obama is on his way to making history. All caps once again! Oh, exclamation my point. My God. And then, so it's so funny. He's like, we fell in love with Obama in two thousand eight when he became the first African American president. And then it's just like. Uh, after serving two consecutive terms, the Obamas have been busy making vital and lucrative moves around the world. Business Insider reports the Obamas entered the White House with net worth of $1.3 million that has grown to $40 million. Obama earned $400,000 per year uh, during his eight years as president and continues to receive an annual pension of approximately $200,000. Obama also reportedly gets paid as much as $400,000 for speaking events. He and Michelle Obama signed a book deal for over $60 million. He also reportedly earned $800,000 for two speeches at Northern Trust Corps. Uh, the Carlisle Group and a minimum of $1.2 million for three talks to Wall Street firms in 2017. Are you kidding? The Carlisle Group? <laughs> <laughs> the Obamas also signed a production deal with Netflix estimated to be $50 million, uh, according to the New York Post. Forbes reported that from 2005 to 2016, Obama earned $15.6 million in advances and royalties from his book, books The Audacity of Hope and Of the I Sing, A Letter to My Daughters, <laughs> and royalties from Dreams from My Father. Uh, in 2018... Uh, stop giving uh, money to Bernie. <laughs> That's his letter to his daughters. In, uh, and uh, for the 100th anniversary of N Mandela's birth, he admitted he was, quote, surprised at how wealthy he has become. Uh, that can't, I mean, that can't be a quote if he said how wealthy he has become. <laughs> Clearly, this is a stupid website. It's just so funny that, like, our favorite, like, rad president uh, is, <laughs> is raking it in in speeches to the Carlisle group. God damn. <laughs> the fun group of people that, <laughs> that did 9-11. <laughs> You probably know Carlisle <laughs> some of their early work, like doing 9-11. <laughs> but now they're giving this former president a shot at his dreams. Jesus Christ. So he's going to be a billionaire. So finally he can go into the inner sanctum of uh, Richard Branson's, you know, rape temple, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, for real. I mean, that was the first thing he did when he was done being president was go, uh, let me see if I can. Yeah, like it. choke each other out on Richard Branson's yacht. <laughs> yeah, he bought this like hideous Martha Vineyard's house. You've seen it, right? Yeah. Because it was going all around Twitter. Like, yeah, I've seen those pics. Earlier this week. It's so disgusting. <laughs> it's like this massive beige house. Yes. Um, and the then whole inside is eggshell. The whole inside is eggshell. Like really hor. Like I mean, just the most tasteless. Yes. Uh, mansion you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Uh, and really goes to show how like rich people have no taste. First of all, like yeah, you know, wealth is wasted on the wealthy. Obviously. Yeah. And. Yeah, just, like, all of it was for this. All of it was for this, like, gaudy, disgusting mansion and, like, Martha's Vineyard. Ugh, like, this stupid circular couch. Like, <laughs> like how like how many children do you want to murder for that house? Jesus Christ. It's funny that he said he was surprised at how wealthy he got. That's yeah. almost the same language he used, uh, you know, that famous quote when he's getting ready for his campaign against Romney. And, um, you know, the axe calls him in to discuss, you know, what are your pluses and minuses after your first term. And uh, his big takeaway was, uh, turns out I'm really good at killing people. Yeah, God, yeah. I mean, also, people have noted this. I think it's interesting. Like, whenever he 
first of all, so rarely makes public addresses. He's only, unless you're, <laughs> unless you've done 9-11 and are going to pay him half a million dollars, he's not really going to yeah. <laughs> talk to you. No, he doesn't yeah. want to talk to anyone. Um, he never does interviews, real interviews. Yeah, he hasn't at all. It's always the Obama Foundation is yeah. going to have high schoolers interview Barack Obama. And like letting something leak or whatever, like recording. Lol. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, like recording his Twitch stream and then it like... Yeah, leaks. handing it off to yeah. the skullduggery guys. Uh, <laughs> but when you do hear him talk, it's, it is it is almost like he was never president. Like, he's just like a, a professor or more accurately, like a Netflix <laughs> executive. Absolutely. Just like kind of commenting on the political terrain. It's like all of these political forces that are act as if like he didn't play any part of it or wasn't the most powerful person in American politics for eight years. Right. Uh, it's, yeah, you know, he'll talk about like inequality as like a, a, a troubling trend that like has been uh, getting worse over the last two decades. Like yeah, without any kind of awareness. Yeah. yeah. So disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, climate change is such an issue. Yeah. yeah. Bitch, you let the people at Standing Rock get mowed <laughs> down. And I, I've been thinking a lot about the beginning of Obama's presidency because of Biden running for yeah. president now. And not even the beginning of his presidency, but what his campaign in 2008 looked like. And we were really young in 2008. Right. And, um, like, babies in 2007. <laughs> 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 exactly. like never yeah. ends, baby. Yeah, like we're we. I don't know how old you think we are. We're, <laughs> yeah, we yeah, we were we were very small. Yeah, we that's were, my point. We were, we were little tiny babies. <laughs> no, I don't know why I <laughs> wanted to. Yeah, uh, I mean, if our, if our listeners find out we are not nubile, <laughs> yeah. we're gonna lose Trying all our simp that, listeners. Yeah, Gen Z. Uh, <laughs> those Gen Z listeners, but uh, no, like you know, two thousand eight. Uh, full of hope, obviously, full of optimism, um, and it was very easy to uh, ignore the reality of what was going on behind the scenes, which is like, well, we didn't know this for a fact yet, but like, he let Citibank choose his cabinet. <laughs> like, uh, Obama totally outsourced any kind of like uh, dealing with the recession or economic recovery to the banking industry. Right. He let them totally oversee their own, like, bailout and recovery. Yes. Uh, and if you were paying attention, you would have seen that happening. Like, when he appointed Timothy Geithner or whatever. If you were really uh, as blackpilled as we all are now, you would have at that point been like, okay, obviously that's what this presidency is. The, all that hope and... Uh, you know, all of that was just rhetorical and it was just for the stump and obviously he's not serious about doing any of that because he's letting Citibank pick his cabinet and appointing Timothy Geithner. Um, and obviously this, he's just going to use this economic uh, recession to like give a huge bailout to, to wealthy people in the banks and exacerbate inequality uh, and not do fuck all for anybody else. All of that was under the surface when he was running in 2008, but it was very hard to see because it was so new and we were so hopeful uh, but wow, it is just like apparent with Biden oh, God. and it's like mask off. Like he's appointing Larry Summers. Like he's not making any meaningful concessions to the left. He's just like bashing the left every chance he gets. You must've seen his new, uh, you know, let me give the Jews one message. I will kill your enemies. <laughs> yes. Yes. Seriously. Doing kind of the negative of the build a block. Yeah. It was like, you know, yeah. Like BDS is an anti-Semitic movement and like, let's the Palestinians go. 
get off with nothing. Like, exactly. Yeah. Like, Are we not going to hold the Palestinians <laughs> yeah. accountable, folks? Um, like really disgusting. Yeah, horrific. Really horrifying stuff. Yeah, criminal. Um, and it's just it it's it is. Um, I mean, not to overuse this, but it is the farce version of totally. the tragedy that was Obama running yeah. in 2008. Like, it's the same reaction from, like, all the Dems and the media types and, like, even, like, Dems that we know in our life. Like, just, like, y- like the oppressive, like... <laughs> Like, you, like, first of all, you have to vote for him. But it's not enough that you vote for him. You have to believe him in your heart. You have to like, want to fuck him. Yeah, you have to want to fuck this <laughs> Yes! Literally, that's what it is. It is like, you fuck him. Like, like, just pointing at, like, Joe Biden, like, falling asleep and drooling in a corner. And, like, you think he's hot. You think he's bang. <laughs> it's like, it, yeah, it's, like, whatever. You know, like... It's not enough to be like, well, you know, I'll vote for him or I would vote for him if I live in a swing state or whatever, like, whatever. It's like, you have to love our woke W.O.C. <laughs> Biden. <laughs> you have to say that <laughs> Joe Biden is a strong W.O.C. More like Joseph Robinette BIPOC, am I right? <laughs> It's just so oppressive. And, and yeah, and in the meanwhile, he's like, his former boss is like becoming a billionaire. And he's, you know, appointing Larry Summers and like, uh, talking about like as a concession, like maybe we can lower like the, the Medicare, like NPH to like uh, 62 and a half. Yeah, or whatever exactly. Happens. Not even. No, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sick. Just, yeah, really perverse. Um, are you into the Obama with CIA discourse? Um, bring it on. Yeah, You know, okay. bring it on. So, uh, you know, this kind of... Uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of like the Pete Buttigieg idea is, you know, Obama was just involved in all these companies that are also front companies for the CIA, uh, which, like, yeah, that's just true. Uh, but this kind of got on people's radar because of the Jesse Ventura thing, that there was a Jesse Ventura appearance on Howard Stern, where Howard Stern is like, what do you think about all these different conspiracy theories? You know, crazy Jesse Ventura, he's like, uh, you know, talking a lot about who killed Kennedy or whatever, and um, he's like, you know, uh, you think 9-11 was an inside job, and he's like, absolutely. And he's like, what about birtherism? Obama wasn't born in America. And Ventura is like, you know, actually, I, I'm pretty sure that Obama was born in America. In fact, I think the birtherism is a distraction from the real conspiracy around Obama, which is he was in the CIA. Yeah. Uh, which is awesome. And uh, Ben Nor- so you Which know, is like, also, whatever you think about that, or, or if that's the case or not, it is just a matter of fact that, like, uh, a lot of conspiracy theories are created by the government, to like, right. including the term conspiracy theory. Exactly, yeah. Uh, to to discredit anybody who's trying to like, yeah, talk about actual conspiracies that might be happening. Yeah, and uh, so I'm not endorsing this Obama yeah. with CIA theory, but it is really interesting. Ben Norton, when this uh, Jesse Ventura thing went around, Ben Norton said, legendary journalist William Bloom documented the Obama family's extensive links to CIA front groups in his anti-empire report. Obama worked for the CIA front group after college, and his shady anthropologist mother worked with at least five CIA-backed groups. <laughs> and there is a link, which... You can find in the description of this episode. Uh, This is from William Bloom. This was published July 3rd, 2012. 
This is a section called Barack Obama, His Mother, and the CIA. In his autobiography, Dreams from My Father, Barack Obama writes of taking a job at some point after graduating from Columbia University in 1983. He describes his employer as a, quote, consulting house to multinational corporations, end quote, in New York City, and his functions as a, quote, research assistant and, quote, financial writer. Oddly, Obama doesn't mention the name of his employer. However, a New York Times story of October 30th, 2007, identifies the company as Business International Corporation. Equally odd is that the Times did not remind its readers that the newspaper itself had disclosed in 1977 that Business International had provided cover for four CIA employees in various countries between 1955 and 1960. The British journal Lobster, which despite its incongruous name, blah blah blah, venerable publication on intelligence matters, has reported that Business International was active in the 1980s promoting the candidacy of Washington-favored candidates in Australia and Fiji. In 1987, the CIA overthrew the Fiji government after but one month in office because of its policy of maintaining the island as a nuclear-free zone, meaning that American nuclear-powered or nuclear weapons-carrying ships could not make port calls. After the Fiji coup, the candidate supported by Business International, who was much more amenable to Washington's nuclear desires, was reinstated to power. Uh, RS S.K. Mara was prime minister, president uh, was prime minister or president of Fiji from 1970 to 2000, except for one month break in uh, 1987. Uh, in his book, not only doesn't Obama mention his employer's name, he fails to say exactly when he worked there or why he left the job. There may well be no significance to these omissions, but blah blah blah. Uh, adding to this wonder is the fact that his mother, Anne Dunham, had been associated during the 70s and 80s as employee, consultant, grantee, or student with at least five organizations with intimate CIA connections during the Cold War. The Ford Foundation, Agency for International Development, AID, the Asia Foundation, Development Alternatives, Inc., and the East-West Center of Hawaii. Much of this time, she worked as an anthropologist in Indonesia and Hawaii, being in good position to gather intelligence about local communities. So, you know, uh, interesting. Just interesting. And, you know, I mean, it was enough that Pete had, you know, a map of Afghanistan's mineral yeah. resources in his house. And, you know, that he worked for uh, this consulting group that, yeah, does function all the time as a CIA front uh, in Afghanistan, like, wouldn't talk about what he did there. Um, but, you know, it, it's just weird. And especially I, I am starting to get more interested. We're going to talk more about this, hopefully, with the Ronan Farrow discussion and uh, even maybe a little bit when we talk about Rodham. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think that one of, I, you know, even the issue this week that happened with, like, Nancy Pelosi calling uh, Trump fat. I think like a lot of this stuff uh, starts to beg the question, you know, okay, so, you know, you've abandoned your hope in the Democratic Party. What next? And I think it's important to distinguish between these different groups in the party. See, what exactly are they, you know, as much as we can tell? What are they after? Uh, what is the kind of conflicts within the structure? Um, I, I think all of that is worth looking into. And I think there is this interesting, you know, the Obama boys, the pod save guys, they were in for Pete. Like, what was that about? We don't really even know at this point, you know? Uh, I, I just think it's interesting. So... You know, yeah. looking at the Obama presidency again, uh, just got questions. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, it also, there like, there's this moment when we look at, like, recent American history, there's always, like, a moment that's, like, constantly, you know, as the, as the years go on, this moment goes on with it of, like, 
you know, there was a point in our history where, like, the American government did some really fucked up stuff. And, like, if you look at the history of, like, the Vietnam War or, like, the CIA in the 50s and 60s, like, yeah, that was that stuff was out of control. And, like, the CIA was really making uh, kind of unacceptable interventions into American life. Uh, but don't worry, there was a year where all of that stopped. Right. Like, things are normal now. Yeah, from 1977 that, yeah. on, our politics has been totally free of this yeah. contagion. And and... And what I mean by, like, that year gets later as time, like, right. like, it keeps kind of drifting. Like, eventually we'll be like, yeah, there was some really fucked up stuff in the 90s. You know, as soon as it's oh, far yeah. enough ago that it doesn't, uh, like, implicitly indict current politics. Because you can, you're never allowed to say that, well, the CIA continues to make these insane interventions into American life and, like, really influence American politics and, and culture in huge ways. You're not allowed to say that about present day because that would be too much of an indictment of like American democracy or whatever. But of course, you're allowed to say it was true 50 years ago. Right. Uh, and then there's some abstract year where it all changed and things went, you know, things went off the rails for a little bit, admittedly, in the 50s and 60s with the CIA. But like things are normal now. But like, yeah, what was the year? Like Iran-Contra? Like when George H.W. Bush was president. Yeah, right, like, the head of the CIA yeah, the guy became who, like, president. killed JFK. Yeah, the, the guy who killed JFK. The guy who also, yeah. uh, the, you know, interesting Obamagate connection, that spy who was implanted into the Carter campaign by the CIA to spy for the Reagan campaign, spied on the Trump campaign. The same people who were doing... George H.W. Bush's bidding for the CIA to, you know, intervene in American politics in the 80s and the 70s are doing it again. So what are we to make of that, right? Yeah. Seems bad. (laughs) Uh, Cool. Uh, Let's do fat game. (laughs) Let's do it. Maybe we can do Rodham for overtime. Uh, That'd be sweet. That'd be really nice. Uh, because we can also talk about your thing with uh, the Lucas Nath play. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. If you have anything to say Yeah, about I for sure do. Yeah. Um, okay. Alright, Rodham. Uh, no, Fatgate. Fatgate. Let's get into it. Yeah, uh, Nancy Pelosi has been uh, <laughs> doing some zingers lately. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, she's she probably called... got Favreau writing well, her scripts for now. Yeah, well, so the beginning of Fatgate... Before it was Fatgate, it was hydroxychloroquine gate. Right. Which, yeah, bled into Fatgate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Trump said recently that he's taking hydroxychloroquine. Yes. Which I can't believe that I uh, learned how to pronounce it. <laughs> you had to. It, yeah. It's and I can spell it. Too, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I don't, I'm not up on hydroxychloroquine. Um, it seems like famously Trump has been talking about this shit. It's an anti-malarial drug and Trump has been talking about it as a cure for coronavirus. And I'm, look, I'm not the most expert on it. It seems to me like there, like scientists at one point thought that it might be an effective treatment for coronavirus, but now have pretty much come to a consensus that it isn't. Uh, but like there was, when Trump was first talking about it, he was wrong for putting all his faith in it before it had been, like, successfully, you know, sufficiently tested. But, like, 
Cuomo was also like stockpiling hydroxychloroquine. Like like people thought yes. it, it maybe could be a, a treatment for coronavirus. And do you know about this case that in France their uh their like national store, their national pharmacies uh stockpile of chloroquine, which is, you know, a related drug to hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, you need the, the hydroxy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but their store of chloroquine was basically stolen. Uh, yes, I remember hearing about this. It's so fucked up. Yeah, this was, uh... There's been so much sketchy stuff like that in Europe. Like, you know, all these EU states that are supposed to be, like, totally cooperative, like, hoarding gear from each other. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, this, it seems like the narrative in France was that it was private physicians who, you know, were worried about their own families, and so they kept stealing a little bit of it, and it kind of led to a stealing run on chloroquine in the French stockpile. But yeah, this is, uh, I'll link to this uh, article in the description, but yeah, respected Professor Christian Perrone talked about the theft live in one of France's 24-7 info channels. Quote, the central pharmacy for the hospitals announced today that they were facing a total rupture of stocks, that they were pillaged. Uh, yeah, so, you know, there was this early run on hydroxychloroquine and all kind of related, uh, you know, forms of this drug. Um, but yeah, it, it seems, especially I remember the cases from Italy kind of bearing this out that, uh, you know, when people were like rioting in the prisons and people were throwing themselves off of towers or whatever. Uh, yeah, hydroxychloroquine just was not the kind of miracle drug that a lot of people thought it was. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know exactly, but it, it seems like it's not going to be uh, a huge help for people. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it makes sense why Trump, even after it becomes like abundantly clear that it's not going to be a treatment, at least for most people for coronavirus would still cling to it as like this potential cure. Totally. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, because he's like fundamentally, uh, a lazy thinker and, not in like just totally disengaged from all of this and the idea that there could be like a magical out is what he's clinging to and honestly what a lot of people are clinging of to. course yeah. like people who are talking about like a vaccine like being two months away or yeah, whatever right. that's like magical thinking yeah um no a vaccine is yeah. uh, a change in the means of production away <laughs> there's yeah. not going to be a vaccine probably. yeah yeah or like i don't know maybe there will be a vaccine if a vaccine happened in that timescale or even in the timescale of, like, the next year or two, it would be unprecedented. Right. But a lot of this is unprecedented. Of course. So yeah. maybe it'll happen. And, like, the 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 amount of people, like, uh, looking for a vaccine is unprecedented. So who knows? But but I think it's still magical thinking to, like, us to be sure that it's going to happen or put all your faith in it happening. Right. Or have any kind of concrete yeah. timeline for yeah, it. Right. Yeah, right. Um, what uh, was that thing where, like, I heard Colbert say this, the Trump admin was like, yeah, we're going to have a vaccine. We're not sure if it's going to work. Do you know what that was about? No, I didn't see that. I, I like, That's it's great, though. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, like, so... Uh, Ianucci. Totally, totally. Very Ianuchian. And, you know, kind of, uh, like, gave me this vision of, okay, you know, six months or a year from now, there are competing vaccines and no one can agree on which one is effective. Yeah. Uh, And there's a Trump vaccine, there's a Bill Gates vaccine, and it's all about what your uh, team is and what your loyalty is. Yeah, right. And also, yeah, any... Unless it's the Chinese coming out with a vaccine, it's going to cost $5,000. Of course, yeah. Like, you're going to have to get a mortgage out on your, if you're, you know, whatever, if you have a mortgage. Like, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to, like, sell all your plasma to, like, get this vaccine. <laughs> um, yeah. Just what Bill Gates wants. Yeah. <laughs> so Trump this week said that he's been taking hydroxychloroquine yes. for two weeks. Yes. And, like, very likely that he's lying. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I think it's probably most likely that he's it's lying. It's a troll. Uh, yeah, probably. he's trolling. 
it and was, if he's been taking it two yeah. weeks, he's been taking it every three days when he remembers. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but, like, hopefully he's taking it. Like, yeah. hopefully he's taking this pointless drug that, right. I don't know, maybe it'll kill him. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> I've seen other people suggest that, uh, yeah. you know, the risk of death is exaggerated from yeah. this thing. It's mostly referring to mixing it with other drugs. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean... But, I mean, way, it is, like, it it is perfect, like, late American empire. Certainly. For, like... Yeah. yeah. A, like, our bloated American president. Well, we're going to get to that, but our... Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, yeah, our... Yeah, taking Mercury yeah. and, like, Qin Shi Huang yeah, to like, make him live forever. <laughs> turning blue from, like, all the colloidal silver he's eating and, like, going blind. <laughs> Which will no doubt happen. It'll just be Joe Biden, not Trump. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think yeah. Joe Biden isn't taking hydroxychloroquine, I've got a bridge to sell you. Um, yeah. 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 But so yeah, Trump was taking hydroxychloroquine, and um, yeah, uh, who was it? Anderson Cooper. Yeah. Did his concern face and uh, yeah. asked Nancy Pelosi, like, "What do you think about this?" Just yeah. real old softball for Nancy Pelosi to be like, "Yeah, this is bad. We don't like it. We think he's stupid." I'll clip it. Uh, especially a president who has, um, how do you say, morbid obesity. <laughs> and she, like, does that yeah. thing where she, like, laughs to herself before yeah. she says it. It's awesome. Madam Speaker, what's your reaction to the president saying that he's now taking hydroxychloroquine? Um, are you concerned? As far as the president is concerned, um, the, uh, uh, our, he's our president, and I would rather he not be taking something that has not been approved uh, by the scientist, especially in his age group and in his, shall we say, weight group, what is morbidly obese, they say. So I, I, uh, I, I think it was, it's not a good idea. Yeah, seems bad. Uh... <laughs> it is awesome. Yeah, um... uh, and like, I know, like you, like the left twitter like thing of like you know is it okay to like body shame the president yeah Yeah. (laughs) uh it's like you know uh like it's just the the fat people in your timeline who like read it who are who think they're bad because of that yes right yeah retweet nancy Pelosi or whatever (laughs) all the memes of like the person you hate uh with a lot of power is holding a mirror and reflecting your insult back to the person you love and like i mean first of all as if that hasn't been entirely like the every like like Stephen Colbert's like only joke about Trump is that he's fat, right? And like has a small all dick. Of them, yeah, has a small dick. He is, is a Cheeto. Yeah, yeah, and I mean Pelosi. Yeah, Cheeto. The the uh, the second Pelosi zinger was that Trump is like a child with doggy do on. Yeah, his what shoes. the fuck was that? She is gone. She is. She's senile. also like. Is it appropriate for the president to do that on Twitter? To do that in general. You're asking me about the appropriateness of the actions of this president of the United States? So completely inappropriate in so many ways uh, that it's almost a given. It's like a child who comes in with mud on their pants or something. That's the way it is. They're outside playing. That's what it is. He comes in with doggy do on his shoes, and everybody who works with him has that on their shoes, too. For a very long time to come. The only thing that made me think of was the Queen of Versailles documentary. Yeah. Where it's about these like obscenely rich people in this disgusting huge house that Obama lived <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> the Obama mansion. Yeah. Which at the time was the biggest house in the US. Yeah. <laughs> 
the Obama mansion. <laughs> Obama is actually, did the 08 crash yeah. to get the Queen of Versailles house. <laughs> the Obama mansion is actually so much uglier than the Queen of Versailles. Totally, mansion. yeah. At it, least that yeah. had a vision. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Yes. There is a thing they were going for with it. Yeah. I know. Oh my god. The this Obama is just mansion, resale value yeah. in sixty thousand square feet. The Obama mansion is like trying to be like a you know a cozy Martha Vineyard shack, but it's like five houses stitched together. Yes, it's like disgusting. Yeah, it is. It's uh, yeah. Frankensteinish. Yeah. yeah. Um, at least the Queen of Versailles house was like trying to be like yeah f- whatever like um, like French Rococo or whatever. <laughs> right. Like I don't even know. Yeah, it like, was trying to be Neo yeah, Versailles or whatever. Yeah, right. It was trying to be like the French Court of Versailles and huge and disgusting. Right. But, like in that doc, because she's this horrifying, like this horrifying rich family, just like lets their dog shit all over the yes. house and then like the hell cleans it up. Yeah. Similar to that Chrissy Teigen tweet, by yeah. the way, that was going around. Yeah. This is a thing. I mean, this goes along with rich people having no taste is like also rich people like, like their walls are coated in like dog feces. Yes. <laughs> because they don't clean up after their pets. Right. And they'll just like, they'll notice that their dog has like diarrhea all over the living room. And they'll be like, well, I'll just wait until tomorrow. And like Lupe will come by and like take care of it. Uh, like they live in like shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and they all powerless have, to stop it. Yeah, right? and they all have like worm parasites because they're like <laughs> yes, right. They're like <laughs> they all have Jean Paul Marat kind of skin infections because <laughs> they're all just like ingesting dog feces because they don't clean up after their fucking chihuahuas when they like dump all over their their disgusting mansions. Yeah, uh, they like they they unfold a paper napkin and like put it over the dog turd so like their maid knows to get it in the morning. Uh, so and I mean that's the only point of reference for this thing that she said, which is like a right. child stepping in dog shit and right. like tracking it all over the house yes, or whatever. Yes, totally. Is, yeah. yeah, the maid hasn't shown up for the last week. And yeah, so, or she showed up yesterday, and so you know, yeah, this kid is just gonna yeah. have dog shit on his feet. Yeah, of course that's Nancy Pelosi's experience with her grandkids. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, this this you know Trump as not just Trump as fat, but Trump as child. I mean, that is such a Stephen Colbert trope. So far, it has been a rough start to the school year for Donald Trump. His report card is definitely going to say, has problems working and playing well with others. <laughs> and there's not much we can do. do what nothing. can we do? Because the Oval Office doesn't have any corners. You can't put them in a timeout. <laughs> You know, this isn't something that yeah. people have as much of a problem with because people hate kids. But, <laughs> uh, you know, Trump has been portrayed in the resistance lib sphere as kind of every hated person you can imagine. As woman, <laughs> as whore, as fat, as mentally ill, yeah. as mentally disabled. Of course, gay with Putin. Gay with Putin, as yeah. trans, as a child. And as all of these things, and it's just a stand-in for we are revolted by this mass of human flesh. And, yeah, I think it's a good opportunity. I I don't know. I've heard from some of my family who are pretty resistance Libby and, you know, uh, are, you know, yeah, they're, like, going to vote for Joe Biden, like, nothing, whatever. But, uh, yeah, people hearing this Nancy Pelosi thing, and, like, they know fat people. Like, Americans are fat, you know? And people uh, say, yeah, I see morbidly obese trending, and I don't like it. That's not good. 
I do think there's going to be, uh, you know, at least some discussion now. Hopefully, uh, this is a good opportunity to talk with people in your life. What do you dislike about Trump? What is it that you think makes him beyond the pale and makes him so bad that we have to vote for anyone who opposes him and do everything in our power to, you know, make them look good, make them look fuckable or whatever? Uh, is it that he's fat? Is it that you just don't like him and that he is a bore and he, he, you have this aesthetic distaste for him? Or is there a specific right. political critique you have of Trump that, in fact, would require you to make changes and demand more of your representatives? Yeah, right. And, of course, like, the whole thing that happens periodically, it happened a couple of weeks ago with, like, oh, if only we could have George W. Bush back. Or, like, when George right. W. Bush was president, I disagreed with him about everything. But, like, at least he, you know, had dignity or whatever. Oh, God. It's like, yeah, their whole objection to Trump is aesthetic. Yeah, and it, right, it is that he's fat and it's that he, like, eats McDonald's. Right. And that he's, like, on, yeah, he has a private jet and he, like, eats McDonald's on the private jet or whatever. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't care, like, who cares that Nancy Pelosi said this and, like, it's fine. Of course, yeah. And, like, if it makes Trump, like, pissed off, that's funny. Like, but, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, it's also just so calculated too she like puts this stuff out there like every couple months and then we just totally ignore that like you know the democrats proposed stimulus plan offered no aid uh, no meaningful aid to anybody but offered a huge bailout to lobbyists yes yeah and yeah. the healthcare industry the heroes yeah. act have you been reading about this bullshit no. yeah and every democrat is supporting it i mean it is just it's worse than 2008 this bailout is going to be a nightmare like yeah. you're talking about this bailout for lobbyists uh i yeah, mean that part of it is so disgusting that is so beyond and this is the what the democrat i mean the democrats control the house they can get they can basically get anything passed through the house right they can and put this their is, yeah. maximalist position out there to the senate yeah which uh, it, even if you're like well it could never get passed i mean isn't there some value to it as like a campaign document or or some kind of statement of principles or or what the government should be offering people but they don't even have any interest in doing that and now they don't have to because they totally beat whatever like left flank of the democratic party there is right uh so they don't have to make any concessions and they won't yeah uh, and they're like, no, we're going to let everyone starve and we're going to bail out lobbyists because we're going to become lobbyists. Yes. Like, that's why the lobbyist bailout thing was so important. Of it's course. like, because that's our next job. That's right. where our money's coming from. Yeah, right. You don't want those places yeah. going out of business. What would I do? Yeah, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the CARES Act, the HEROES Act, and let's not forget the unprecedented expansion of surveillance powers and military yeah. budget that everyone fucking voted for. for yeah, the Trump. Patriot Act was just reauthorized recently. So like, if you think yeah. he's fat, that's fine. But if you think he's Hitler, what does it mean that Nancy Pelosi and everyone else, I mean, fucking AOC, uh, Ilhan Omar, all these people are falling into line for all of these things that are going to destroy more people's lives, that are just going to make this country worse. Yeah, I mean, right. Talk about, like, two ideas that are entirely incompatible, that Trump is this unprecedented threat to American democracy and freedom, and we're going to expand his powers. Right. Uh, which is what Democrats have been doing this whole fucking time. Right. And everybody sees through it. Uh, yeah, you're just, you are, you're not, if you really believe that Trump was this unprecedented threat to American freedom, uh, you wouldn't be going on Anderson Cooper calling him morbidly obese. You would actually be doing shit. Right. Um, That's the whole point. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, it's just so uh, cynical and disgusting, especially like now more than ever when like, 
we're in like a new depression. Like, yeah. like it's so weird. Like partly because of just how weird quarantine is, and we're all like on our own here. Yeah. Uh, just like the disconnect from any kind of like discourse or what our politicians are doing, and like the reality <laughs> of the fact that like like the Great Depression is happening. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like we're in like an unprecedented crisis. And like no, like no one is responding in that way. It's and I so mean, strange. the death toll could hit a hundred thousand any minute now. It probably has, just the numbers haven't caught up. Yeah. Uh, you know, while you're listening to this, we might officially hit a hundred thousand. I mean, yeah, death is surrounding us. Uh, we are in the middle of a plague and a bigger depression than the Great Depression and these forever wars that will never end. Uh, this is, you know, another thing I'm sure we'll talk about in overtime with Rodham. But uh, yeah, just uh, examining the beginning of the Obama era has also brought me back to watching, you know, Jeremy Scahill documentaries about Afghanistan. And yeah, just these criminals walking around, running our lives. Elliot Abrams, you know, making making war against Venezuela right now. All of this is just happening, and there's just no connection to, yeah, Trump is taking the wrong medicine, and he's fat. Yeah. Do you want to talk Ronan Farrow real quick before we hit uh, Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like another story. I feel like that's kind of the theme for all our stories. Like, there are no heroes, <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> um, I think that's where we'll come out on this, right? It's like... I mean, we're... Whatever. This week, we're going to defend Ronan Farrow, but, like, <laughs> obviously we have plenty of issues with Ronan Yeah, we don't Farrow like Ronan too. Farrow, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you, do you want to talk about it? This, yeah. uh, this New York Times column, Ben Smith. Ben like, Smith, baby. Ronan Farrow, too good to be true. Yeah, question mark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also coming along the same week that, like, the New York Times had the, like, uh, believe all women was like you know always uh, a, a, yeah, yeah. right wing trap or yeah. whatever um, and just days after uh, Politico did that big hit piece on Tara Reid where they quoted all her landlords that was really shocking yes uh, and disgusting really horrific that yeah. was really like uh, even with as disgusting as the discourse has been around Tara Reid that was like such a line crossed that Seriously. article of like yeah, Tara Reid, who's, like, credibly accusing Joe Biden of sexually assaulting her in the 90s. Corroborated by five or six sources, at least. Very well corroborated um, and has been getting smeared by, like, well, this is what this whole thing is about. But right. has been getting smeared by all the same mainstream publications that, like, were, you know, a year ago saying, believe women. Right. Um, and, the, and Politico talk to like her former landlords and shit yeah and was that like, article you know, quotes yes like half a dozen landlords that she had like what difference does it make that she like uh broke a lease early or right. something or right. like i mean and it really comes down to it and like we've we've compared tara reed to christine blasey ford the comparison is apt because like they're both you know it's both powerful men who are up for like really prominent jobs um, and and these women who are telling cred- making credible allegations, but about you know decades ago, so the comparison is apt. But it's really interesting why like Christine Blasey Ford was so believed in by the mainstream media and yeah, Tara Reid is being media. totally dismissed. And certainly a huge part of it is you know, um, God, what's that fucking justice's name? Kavanaugh. <laughs> yeah, what's his first name? Like Brent. like Chad Kavanaugh. Or, like, <laughs> Yeah, Brett Kavanaugh. Like Duke Kavanaugh also known as or something. Bart O'Kavanaugh. Do you yeah. remember this? 
<laughs> yeah, Brett, like, it always seems wrong that his first name is Brett. <laughs> um, I know. Can you imagine yeah. what all the, uh, you know, Anglo-Saxon supremacist founders of this country yeah. would think if they knew that there was a Brett <laughs> yeah. serving on the Supreme Court? Yeah, we're in the, we're, there's going to be a point where, like, um, all the Supreme Court justices are like, yeah, like, like, Braden. <laughs> Chugs McGee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever. All right, so obviously part of the reason why the the liberal media believed Christine Blasey Ford and doesn't believe Tara Reid is because um, Brett Kavanaugh was a Republican and horrifying and the liberal media wants Biden to win. Right. Clearly that's part of the reason. I think another big part of it that doesn't get said straight out enough is that Christine Blasey Ford is upper class and Tara Reid isn't. Absolutely. Uh, and it's there a is a huge issue. class issue, and that was just driven home so much by Politico. You're asking her fucking landlords if she ever, like, broke a lease? Like, as if somebody who breaks a lease can't get assaulted by a senator? Yeah. Like, like it is obviously they have nothing to do with each other. If Fox News tried to pull that during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, but of course you, could, you wouldn't, right? Because that's just not... Because Christine Blasey Ford is upper class. Right. So it wouldn't have... Like, Christine Blasey Ford... You can't shame her on that ground. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you, you remember what Fox News did was, you know, oh, she said she was so nervous, and yet she took a plane. Yeah, right. right? It was all these upper class signifiers that they could attack her on. Yeah. And they did do that. And they also talked about, like, how her father wasn't coming to her, her defense or right, anything. Right, right, because right, Because he's, like, in the <laughs> same country club as, like, Brett Kavanaugh. Exactly, exactly, yeah. right? And uh, it was a different story because of the kind of class yeah. that these people belong to. So, I mean, that political article was so sickening. Yeah, just laundering these landlords' yeah. personal grievances about, yeah, Two hundred dollars yeah. rent skipped here and there, and, and, as political yeah. news, as political reporting. What a joke! And just like you know, I mean, one of the like one of the key parts of like believe women is just the idea that like there's no perfect victim, right? right. Like, like you don't have to have perfectly comported yourself in every aspect of your life, especially because I mean we know there's so many like structural like. You know, we know that if you're poor, you're set up to fail. Right. If you're not rich in this country, you're set up to fail again and again. Yeah. But, like, the idea that you can never have – if you've ever done anything wrong – if you accuse a powerful person of sexual assault, we're going to comb through every little thing you did. We're going to talk to your former bosses. We're going to talk to your landlords. And if you've ever been anything less than the perfect subject to, to your lords, yes. uh, then, yeah. then we're going to uh, completely discredit you and, and sling muddy. You. And I mean, Tara Reid is getting death threats, is getting threats of lawsuits, just constant harassment, and no one is speaking up on this. Remember when Bernie's responsibility was to tell the Bernie bros to calm down? Yeah. And, you know, how dare he not say anything? How dare Biden and his team say nothing while all this is going on, while they are having their friends at Politico throw fuel on the fire? Uh, and, you know, on that same day or a day after, there was another uh, major piece from I forget what major, you know, media outlet that was, you know, an interview with 72 former Biden staffers who, you know, uh, go figure, they all have successful long careers on the Hill and all of them said Biden was nice. And actually, it's a little complicated when he touches your hair because we're all a family here. So, you know, days after those two major hit pieces on Reed came out, this 
you know, is Ronan Farrow too good to be true piece comes out in the New York Times. Uh, again, same day that, you know, they had someone uh, write this op-ed, you know, believe all women is a right-wing trap. Even Katha Pollitt has gotten in on the bashing Tara Reid train. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it's just going to be like Clinton all over again. They're going to call out all these, you know, fake feminists to say, actually, we need to support this rapist. Uh, but yeah, so... Ben Smith wrote this article for the New York Times, and um, Ben Smith is a really interesting character. Uh, you know, he is the guy who, at BuzzFeed, published the Steele dossier. <laughs> uh, yeah, very interesting. So he's got a lot to answer for, for his reporting standards, yeah. actually. Uh, and he's that guy at the New York Times who interviewed, uh, what, what, what the fuck's his name? The, like, managing editor or whatever. Uh, Beckett, Dean Beckett, yeah, uh, where Beckett admitted that the Biden campaign edited their main article on yeah. Tara Reid, which was awesome. Uh, but yeah, Ben Smith has you know whatever kind of some cred as an outsider at the New York Times, uh, and he wrote this article that was "Is Ronan Farrow Too Good to Be True?" And you know we can read from it. Uh, but I think it's less important, the specifics of the article, than it is the main takeaway of the article yeah. is kind of a fact-checking, very nitpicking uh, critique of Ronan Farrow's reporting, particularly around the Me Too moment. And the article was so flimsy. Yes. Especially because basically there was, there. There was really very little there. Yeah. Um, and, and like early on, Ben Smith is like clear, like, I'm not suggesting that Ronan Farrow is a fabulist or makes up stories. Right. So, like, let's be clear. That's not... Nobody is making that contention in this article. Right. What Ben Smith is contending is that uh, Ronan Farrow and his articles, um, you know, makes suggestions or, uh, you know, hints at sensational possibilities that he then doesn't back up with facts. Which... It's probably true. A lot of people do that. I think, like, that's, like... <laughs> yeah, like yeah, you Ben mean Smith. being a journalist. And that is exactly what Ben Smith is doing in this article. Yes. Because he's casting aspersions about um, uh, Ronan Farrow and and making suggestions that that he then doesn't back up. Uh, so, I mean, this article where that's what he's accusing Ronan Farrow of, and in this very article he does it himself and does not really sufficiently back up the, the claims that he's making about Ronan Farrow being a sloppy journalist... Um, is ironic. Yeah. And is dope. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's... And, I mean, just goes to show that this is, like, all about exercise of power. Exactly. Like, no one's right. trying to convince anybody of anything. Right. And if it wasn't clear enough what this is about, the article even references Tara Reid very early on. It says in the first couple paragraphs, you know... A lot of us bought into the Me Too stuff early on, but, you know, especially with this Tara Reid thing, we've been rethinking it, and maybe it's time to look at Ronan Farrow, Farrow again. And, you know, so they are telling you what this is. Yeah. This is all about, uh, my take is just that this is all about pulling up stakes in the Me Too moment, uh, you know, cashing in, selling stock in, however you want to put it, uh, this exercise of power that a lot of the mainstream liberal media was happy to exercise at the time, you know, uh, like, this point has been made a million times over, but does Weinstein get taken down if Hillary Clinton wins? Let's talk about that alternative history, right? Uh, you know, Me Too was a very specific kind of movement uh, in its in the kind of media form that it took, and a lot of it was about 
you know, the liberal media and their democratic allies exercising power, uh, purging their own ranks to some extent, but also, you know, weaponizing this against the Republicans. Uh, and, you know, that doesn't mean that Brett Kavanaugh deserved to get off scot-free and become a Supreme Court justice. Obviously, we don't think that. That doesn't mean that Harvey Weinstein wasn't, you know, a terrible rape monster. Uh, obviously, he was. I think that's clear. Um but yeah, that was an exercise of power then, and now the tables have turned, and it's actually become a problem for them, and so they're just going to do a controlled demolition of it. And that's what this article is all about. Uh, it is, you know, a major uh, a moment in that project, is how I understand it. Yeah, I mean, it really is amazing how quickly uh, the Democratic establishment and, like, its its media outlets have abandoned, like, yeah, any kind of woke discourse, like, Me Too, Believe Women... Uh, you know, that representation is important. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, any of it. Um, I'm convinced that, you know, Joe Biden, who, like, promised to have a woman vice president, it's it's going to be Cuomo. Like, like, (laughs) or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, he's not going to do it, and and, uh, you can't fucking make him. Right. And, like, what are you going to do, walk? Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe he will just because it's the path of least resistance. But, like, what would he do if you don't? You would do fucking nothing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you haven't decided to not vote for Joe Biden yet, you're not gonna. Yeah, you're never gonna. <laughs> yeah. Um, Losers. Uh, yeah, so uh, fascinating kind of moment. And yeah, Ben Smith, you know, uh, not to do Obamagate every day, all day, like I want to, but... Uh, <laughs> hey, it's not going away. <laughs> it's not going away. Obamagate! Obamagate! Uh, yeah, Ben Smith was a part, and, you know, this is one of the, uh, kind of funny aspects of this Ronan Farrow takedown is, like, a lot of people have beef with Ronan Farrow. It's easy to beef with this loser, you know? Um, <laughs> we had, you know, a friend of the pod got passed around on Twitter a little bit. Uh, Yasmin Nyers take that, you know, uh, <laughs> the Woody Allen pile yeah. on is anti-Semitism. The take that dare not speak its name. <laughs> Too hot. <laughs> Lest we all be burned by it. Uh, yeah, that Ronan Farrow is positioning himself as, like, suggesting that, uh, you know, uh, Old Blue Eyes was his dad, is actually trying to exercise his Jewishness yeah. from him. <laughs> Which, like, Frank Sinatra was probably a bigger sexual predator than Woody yeah, Allen, by the way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, by almost any account. Yeah. Uh, first of all. But, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, it would, there's a bunch of reasons to be mad at Ronan Farrow. We don't like Ronan Farrow. His book before this was uh, all about how the State Department is good, actually. Uh, he, you know, he got off on his fame, uh, is how he's gotten any kind of play as a journalist. Uh, and, you know, even the structure of his book uh, on, you know, the Weinstein case and his reporting on Me Too, uh, he's only able to do that as a celebrity journalist and to leverage his uh, means as a celebrity to accomplish something like that uh you know we're glad that all this news came out about weinstein obviously uh but it's also worth noting that there's a really interesting kind of um uh maneuver being done in the ben smith takedown of roden pharaoh which is this and you know it makes sense because everyone like the pod save people have been doing this the atlantic just had this whole issue on this this conspiracy theory discourse that now is all the rage in the liberal media you know taking down conspiracy theories uh there is this consistent kind of critique in the ben smith takedown of ronan farrow against the you know obviously he says everyone agrees that harvey weinstein was a bad guy and he was a rapist and he was a monster okay but can we really blame nbc here 
Yeah. Right? This is the constant thread throughout the article is really what Ben Smith seems to have a problem with is the implication that Ronan Farrow makes that people at NBC covered up this case. And when he talks about Ben Smith uses the word conspiracy constantly in the article to refer only to NBC's involvement in covering up a sexual assault allegation, right? Why is the New York Times interested in making that very specific, uh, you know, claim and critique right now? Is it because they are right now actively involved in covering up a credible sexual assault allegation, right? Is it because all their friends at NBC and the WAPO and, uh, you know, uh, CNN and MSNBC are doing the same thing? Probably. Is there a reason that Ben Smith, when he talks about conspiracy, he doesn't mention Black Cube once in this article? I mean, that's the most interesting thing that Ronan Farrow talks about on his podcast or whatever, is the Israeli private intelligence firm that Weinstein hired to destroy these women's lives uh, so that they wouldn't, you know, tell the truth about him. That's the conspiracy, right? It's not the conspiracy of the media to cover this up in particular, though that was a huge conspiracy in the Weinstein case. Uh, I, I mean, I think there's no question about that. Everyone knew about this. Seth MacFarlane was making jokes about it at the Oscars or whatever. So... Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, I think it is really funny that all these kind of, you know, particularly, I, I just think it's a lot of, you know, gay contrarians who jumped <laughs> on this early. Glenn Greenwald, Yasmin Nair, uh, among them, um, uh, even Matt Taibbi, you know, uh, uh, put out, you know, yeah, this is a pretty good critique of, um, you know, the liberal resistance kind of journalism. Uh, and Ben, uh, not Ben Norton, um, uh, Aaron Mate, who I don't know if he's gay, but you know, maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's just speculate about Aaron Mate's sexuality on this podcast. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, Aaron Mate, all these people who, uh, you know, their beat is more about Russia Gate critique. Right, uh, and they've been critiquing the liberal media and the resistance uh, reporting for a long time. Jumped on this as okay, this is making our same argument, but it just fundamentally isn't, right? And it's being made by a Russia Gator, Ben Smith, who is you know a really important person in the crafting of Russia Gate. Um, and so yeah, you know, uh, I think everyone should have waited a couple hours to think about this. Yeah. Do you think some people have suggested that um, Ronan Farrow might be cooking up a little piece uh, about Joe Biden? An and October maybe, special? And maybe this is the New York Times trying to get in there early and, and discredit him before he... Uh, he releases some good shit about Joe Biden. So, you know, we've been over this uh, a little bit over text. Yeah. Uh, I doubt it. Yeah. I, I wish it were true. I hope that Ronan Farrow yeah. is, uh, you know, uh, finding out more about Biden's time sexually harassing and retaliating against people in his office uh, in his time as a senator or whatever. Um, I think it's unlikely, particularly because Ronan Farrow blew off Tara Reid. Yeah. She reached out to him and he didn't return her calls. Yes. That's true, and I th- I think you're right that it's more likely than not not the case. But and like yeah, Ronan Farrow won't save you, you know. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, but here's the reasons. If you wanted to be like, well, I think this might happen. Here's the reasons why. Okay, here's let's the hear reasons it. why I think you I'm might. psyched. Yeah. Okay. So I want to believe. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, so first of all, the whole thing like, why did the New York Times put this like very flimsy, weak? kind of attack about Ronan Farrow out there. Uh, it, it feels like they're trying to get in early on something. You Certainly. know what I mean? It, it, yeah. There's 
we were we were you were speculating you know about like you know the meta stuff around this and like it definitely there's definitely a lot of stuff going on around here yeah uh this is like that you know kevin spacey uh, <laughs> kill him with kindness <laughs> yeah we don't know what's yeah. happening and it, the message is not for us but yeah, yeah the message is not for us right. is what it feels like with this article. totally yeah um so there's that uh also um, I mean, look, there is just so much out there about Biden, right? Yeah. And you don't even need to be a leftist journalist or an anti-Biden guy or an intercept guy to, like, see it. You could just be, you know, kind of a reporter who's, like, independently wealthy and, like, going to do fine no matter what and, like, doesn't need to be too married to the Democratic base and, like, smells a big story going. Yeah. And, like, uh, it's out there, you know, and has made their name on, like, uh, taking down powerful men who abuse women. Including Democrats, yeah. right? I mean, like Harvey yeah. Weinstein. But exactly. also, uh, who is the New York prosecutor that... Renan Faro took down. Um, um, you remember this case? I, yeah, yeah. Schneiderman. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Uh, so, like, look, there's something there, right? And you're absolutely right. Ronan Farrow hasn't touched the Tara Reid stuff. Um, but there's probably a lot more out there. And I think it's very possible, like, absolutely. we brought this up a couple weeks ago, that Alexander Cockburn story from 2008. Yeah. That was just, like, a throwaway anecdote about, like, how everyone in the Senate knows that, like, Biden is a huge rapist. Absolutely. Basically. Yeah. Like, that's basically what it was about. Yeah. It was, like, a throwaway anecdote about how, like, Biden is, like, horrifically inappropriate. And that book uh, about the Secret Service yeah. that came out in 2012 or whatever. That he, like, flashes his, uh, women Secret Service agents yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um... So clearly there is a ton out there. Yeah, obviously. And and everybody knows about it. Um so maybe and then like if you wanted to get a little deeper, so Ronan Farrow is married to um John Lovett, one of the John one of the Pod Save Johns. Yes. Um and people have pointed this out. Uh the Pod Save Camp has has and continues to be like pretty lukewarm about uh Joe Biden. Absolutely. And, like, you, like you were saying, they were supporting everybody except Joe Biden and Bernie, obviously. Totally, yeah. They went but, like, Beto, and then they were all and then Pete, Pete, and then, Kamala. Like, yeah, they would have even, they would have taken Warren or Klobuchar totally. before Biden. They, they made that very clear. Yeah. Which is probably just because they think, like, Biden's old in yesterday's news and losing his mind. I mean, I think there's some about that, but I think that's actually a more interesting line of inquiry. Uh, yeah. Because... But, yeah, these were the people yeah. who were working in Obama's comms office for right. eight years. Right, They know all the stories. Exactly. They know stories that we don't know. That's absolutely true. And they and they continue to be very lukewarm on Biden. Yeah. Uh, very, very lukewarm on Biden, uh, you know, and... I, if you're taking cues from them, it seems like they think there's a very good chance he won't be the nominee. Of course, they would never say that out loud, right? right? right. But that's just how they're acting. And Obama is acting that way, too. Exactly. Like, when he tweeted one word, vote, <laughs> and then people immediately mocked it up, like, vote next week. Well, that's enough activism for one day. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, yeah, like... Yeah, and Biden had to retweet yeah. him. Like, Bi Obama's not retweeting Biden. Yeah, uh... All of these people who probably know the most about what's out there about Biden are being very cool about Biden and are being very yes, lukewarm. Yes. And I can imagine, you know, John Lovett, like, <laughs> like you know, 
you know, making some coffee in the morning, getting ready to do a pod save, and like seeing the stacks of papers that like, <laughs> Ronan Farrow is putting together. Oh my and, god! Like, yeah, maybe like, oh, like honey, uh... <laughs> be a little sensitive. <laughs> that's here. so like, funny. Like, but yes. Having said all that, like, yeah, I agree. That's probably wishful thinking, and it's probably more likely than not that like. There's nothing coming to save us. Yeah, Ronan like, Farrow's not our Bob Mueller. <laughs> but, like, yeah, when you start to put the pieces together, like, yeah, maybe. Who knows? Let's but, hope. Well, so, yeah. you know, I, I totally get that, and I think that's a fascinating, uh, you know, uh, view of it. Uh, I think, though, it's kind of a, a sideways view of it. Really, what I see is more intra-party competition uh, than I think that allows for, which is, you know— Actually, uh, you know, but Obama and Biden aren't totally on the same team. Yeah. Uh, and you can get a little Pepe Silvia hours <laughs> with this. You can get, you know, red yarn connecting. But, okay, so, uh, right, Ronan Farrow is married to uh, John Lovett, who's on John Favreau's podcast. Yeah. Uh, John Favreau is an Obama boy. Yeah. He's the original Obama boy. And John Lovett's an Obama boy, too. They are he the Obama boys. He was a Clinton boys. boy before he was an Obama boy. Sure, but, but yeah. now he's on John Favreau's podcast, and John Favreau took that picture where he's groping the cardboard cutout of Hillary Clinton. Yeah, right? but I, yeah. But, so, okay, so Joe Biden's campaign is run by Anita Dunn, right? Yeah. Uh, SKDK, right? We've been <laughs> over this. Yeah. Anita Dunn was Harvey Weinstein's pro bono lawyer friend who helped him, you know, uh, hide himself from these allegations. Anita Dunn runs Joe Biden's uh, campaign now. What does that mean about Joe Biden? We've talked a lot about how Joe Biden is not a person. You know, there is no Joe Biden. Uh, so what is Joe Biden's campaign and what does it represent within the Democratic Party structure? Uh, you know, I think that there is kind of some play going on uh, where there is this kind of unstable triangle of Clinton, Biden, Obama. Yeah. And as you said, you know, when I pointed this out, Biden is obviously the weak leg there, yeah. right? And so I wouldn't be surprised, you know, Obama said in kind of every way possible that he has available to him, which is to say he didn't say it outright, right? He, he never says anything yeah. in public. Uh, but Obama let it be known a million times that he didn't want Biden to run. He told Biden not to run. They basically begged him not to run. Who was it uh, who told Biden, you know, you, what do you want to see your political career end in a hotel room in New Hampshire? Yeah, Ron Klain said that. Yeah. And I believe he said that in 2016. Right, yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, people know that Biden was weak. And especially the Obama people, I think, understood that betting on Biden would be the end of their legacy. Yeah. Uh, or at least they think that that's the case. Uh, and so I think the o Obama boys are kind of a faction that now the kind of ascendant Clinton wing uh, is having their revenge against. So one of the most amazing, I think, details in the book, maybe not so surprising, is that Hillary Clinton applied pressure to Pharaoh, he says, um, not to pursue the Harvey Weinstein story. And so I wonder, and of course I don't know the truth, that's his claim. Why has no one asked Hillary Clinton about this, I wonder? Mm, maybe eventually they will. I mean, there are a lot of fish to fry there. Yeah. And I think Hillary's spokesperson has come out and said it was nothing and it's been misrepresented, right? So they're, huh. they're kind of denying that. I think that's a little bit what's happening with the Biden campaign is, yeah, Pete didn't get it. Fuck Pete. He's not going to get to use his CIA contacts to, you know, fix the election. We're going to make him resign. We're going to make him drop out. Uh, fuck Ronan Farrow and his husband who's on John Favreau's podcast. We're going to ruin these people because they ruined our friends. They took down Harvey Weinstein. Now we're going to take him down. Um, I think there's a little bit of uh, score settling done by the people who keep a one to seven loyalty list. Yeah. You know, would that be so surprising? So I, I think there's a little bit of that going on as well. Yeah, I think you're right. And 
I mean, we've talked about this. Doesn't it just feel like Biden is not going to be the nominee when it, it all shakes out? It feels that way. But I mean, just because he's so weak. But, yeah. Um, uh, like, I don't know. It just feels like they're not going to get this corpse over the finish line, you know? And it's going to be someone else. Yeah. Uh, but who knows? Who knows? And, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, for all we know, they're trying to settle those scores before that happens, before yeah. Biden really blows up. Um, but who knows? I mean, I, I think the decision has been made at basically every level that it's okay to throw this one. We're okay with losing this one. Yeah. And of course they are. And, and like the whole thing about routing Bernie was like, yeah, they would, yeah. they, yes, their, their priority is maintaining their position within the party right. more than winning the presidency. So but, they, so they would rather lose with Biden than win with Bernie. Exactly. Instance. But I think that that means that there's a lot of. Uh, creative destruction going on behind the scenes. And like you said, like, the message is not for us. It's the, you know, uh, coffee mug with, uh, you know, we always wish to earn your loyalty and respect or whatever. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it is, there is, yeah, uh, it's kind of the end of the Republic over there. And uh, people are stabbing each other in the back and throwing each other under the bus and just trying to advance their own position for next round when they, you know, might, they think have a chance. Yeah, thank you everyone for listening. It's been a great week. Um, you know, we're going to talk more about people who want to fuck politicians on the <laughs> overtime. Yeah. Uh, when we say Rodham, <laughs> emphasis on the rod. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, stay tuned for our um, our overtime. We're going to talk about, yes, this, this <laughs> steamy novel, <laughs> Rodham, uh, and... Probably just more of our regular bullshit about how Democrats want to fuck their (laughs) their disgusting politicians. We love you. Bye.